Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdoll, C70Vat at C70 on Twitter, sitting in for Terrell Nichols. We have David Jones at IPOP Editor again. And David, it's another week, another week closer to um, the regular season. But it, the games this week, it kind of felt like it's really far away because WCBC starting up, there's a lot of names we don't recognize out there. And it's a little hard to, you know, kind of get invested in a game that, you know, there's nobody, no starters that you're going to see. Yeah. Well, happy selection Sunday to you, which <laughs> this is, this is kind of like the Sunday where it feels like everything kind of starts to turn a corner. If you're a college mm-hmm. basketball fan, here it comes. If you're a Tar Heel fan like me, you're depressed. If you're a baseball <laughs> fan, it feels like things are kicking into high gear. And if you're a golf fan, you know, the masters is right around the corner mm-hmm. and you get ready, ready to hear those two words. Hello friends. <laughs> but Yes, um, this is about the time where we start seeing the starters putting in more innings. And yet I look at the lineup today and go, who is that? Uh, it was quite a um, a random list of players that were out there. Some that we recognize, some that we won't see in St. Louis anytime soon. But thanks to the WBC, uh, we got a good look at some guys who normally don't get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I was going to see if I could pull up that lineup because um, it was it was something. Um, yeah, Mason Wynn, uh, uh, Alec Burleson, then it's uh, Motter, Gomez, Kisner, Chris Otero, Kramer Robertson, Justin Turner, Church. I mean, these are guys that I don't even know their first names off the top of my head. You know, I mean, just looking at their last names, I, I yeah, I. I don't know. I, I and again, it was it's spring, and the WBC does affect that. And there, you know, it's still Cardinal baseball. I mean, it's still something worth watching, but it's it's just a little bit different, uh, to, to say the least. Yeah, it's one of those that you kind of watch it for the pitching, not necessarily for the bats today. Um, you know, now there are some some shining stars that come out, and it is kind of it's always nice to get a win. And then I see guys like Modder come up, um, which I know he's been around baseball for a while, but I am convinced somebody like did some type of cloning with Burleson and Donovan and he just like popped out uh, <laughs> like and then you see the guy like playing third base and making some spectacular plays. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, you would think eventually maybe part of the Cardinals voodoo devil magic at yeah. some point. But uh, I don't I think because of the depth, he's not going to be there, but. Um, I will say I was I was happy with Matt's today, his outing. He got squeezed a little bit, and uh, I was listening to the radio broadcast, and Ricky Horton was mentioning that he was kind of thrown across his body a little bit, so his pitches were going outside, but he seemed to adjust to that. But so far, he has looked pretty good in spring. Uh, he's my candidate for bounce back uh, player of the year because I, last year, I mentioned this last week, but last year he had really bad luck. But So I was good to, glad to see him pitch well today. Hicks and Helsley, just when I start getting a little concerned, they come out and throw <laughs> scoreless innings, three strikeouts. I know they're not playing against the best competition, but it's still good to see. Yeah. Well, especially because Jordan Hicks has struggled against those kind of competition this year, right? I mean, the spring has been rough for him at times. Um, and so for him to come out and be effective, be efficient, and, you know, he threw 11 pitches, nine strikes. So, uh, at least I mean the box scores are accurate, um, and so that's a lot. That's a lot better than what we've seen out of him in a while. So it does make you feel pretty good. You, you've got you're right. Uh, Burhigan pitched today, a scoreless inning. 
Um, you know, even Chris Stratton, who has had some issues, gave up a couple hits, but didn't give up any runs. Um, Tinkins back out there as well. So, um, yeah, you know, again, you're, the other side was not, didn't have necessarily all their starters either. When the only run comes from what Matt Adams, uh, well, that's, that's fun <laughs> as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. You know, again, what do you take from spring training? And maybe that's a general theory anyway, but especially I think it's impactful this year. It's like, what do you take out of, you know, six weeks of games where you're you're playing, you know, maybe you get two at-bats a game and you're not playing every day. And there's just a a real small sample there for everybody. And you just kind of hope for positive signs here and there. Yeah, let me bring up a name that you mentioned, and I, I'm going to go on a deep dive with this because we're not going to talk about a normal name, but you mentioned Drew Verhagen. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, he was kind of thrown into the fifth starter role because things were really weak, but this year, he's looked a little bit different, and we're hearing a lot about him. Now, what's funny is we've talked about this before, and I know you've talked about this on your other podcast as well, where it's hard to watch the game sometimes this year, not because it's yeah. bad baseball, but because they're just not broadcast. Well, right. I was coming home from a work lunch the other day and I was trying to listen to one of the games and I could only get the Tigers broadcast. And they were telling me, this is what they told me. Drew Verhagen was in competition for the Cardinals fifth spot this year. They <laughs> also told me Jordan Walker, six foot eight. And oh. they also, yeah, they also told me Lars Newtbar. Uh, was able to go play in Japan because he has no chance of making the Cardinals this year. And so they were willing to let him go. But so, yeah, I thought yeah, they also didn't know who their own prospects were. But um, Verhagen so far, three innings pitch has not given up any runs, but we're hearing about his stuff is looking pretty nasty. Now, is this one of those things where are you buying into this, that we may see a reclamation project that he, this guy looks brand new that he's got this nasty stuff that may play well out of the bullpen or is this one of those everybody's in the best shape of their lives coming into the season and we just talk about all players with glowing optimism because that's what we do well I mean there's some of that obviously for everybody I mean once you spend a few weeks weeks and months away then everybody looks a lot better when they start putting on the uniform but you know I think that the Cardinals saw a lot in Verhagen when they signed him And there's no doubt that he was hurt a lot last year. So I feel like while it may not be to the extent that we're seeing, I do think there's some fire to that smoke. Um, I I don't know how competitive he's going to be, but I do think he's going to be, you know, last year when he came in, it was garbage time and, you know, it was going to get ugly and you you just knew it was going to go bad. I think this year he's got a real good chance of being a sixth, seventh inning guy, a guy that maybe bridges the gap from the starters to the good end of the bulk of the late innings. You know, do I have anything to sort of base it on? Not particularly, but he has looked better. And I think health is a huge thing, especially for these pitchers. You know, if you're healthy um, and given the, you know, the, the work of Dusty Blake and all that kind of stuff that has been, a huge talking point as well this offseason. It feels reasonable to believe that Verhagen's going to be at least a valuable piece, if not like some key piece to this bullpen. Yeah, I mean, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would say there's no chance he's making the 26-man. Well, at this point, three innings pitched, which small sample size, but three innings mm-hmm. pitched, no hits, one walk. Uh, he struck out two guys. 
And there are times last year I saw him pitch and times this year I've seen a pitch where he's thrown some stuff that's just nasty. I mean, just unhittable. I remember watching him last year in a couple innings and thinking, this guy's got the fifth starter spot locked up because he looks unhittable. And then he'd go out and just totally have a terrible inning. I'm just, he's a guy I have my eye on this year because I don't think expectations are high. And I think sometimes that can be good for guys because sometimes if the bar's low, they're going to go jump over it. <laughs> and and he's a guy I think could be a pleasant surprise. And he's somebody that nobody's really talking about. But I'm, I'm curious to see if he can put it together and stay healthy. Yeah, I I think that – and the Cardinals are going to give him a lot of room, right? Because he's not, he's not a guy they can option. He's not a guy that they could do much with except for put him on the roster or cut him. Um, and I don't think the money's big enough that they wouldn't cut him, but I do think they want to see him in game action. So I feel like, you know, that's a guy that you could probably go ahead and in heavy pencil, assuming he's healthy. Um, and so far has been, he's going to make this bullpen, but you know, and we were talking on messaging back and forth earlier today about how this roster is, almost impossible to figure out. I mean, you've got so many guys that seem like they should be on this team, but you can only take 26. I mean, you know, we were talking about it too. You know, you've got a guy like uh, Guillermo Zuinga, who I don't think, I'm not sure hasn't played much with the Cardinals this spring, maybe an inning or something of that nature, but then goes out and throws what two incredibly impressive innings for Columbia in the world baseball classic, closing out that game, throwing 102. And it's like, you feel like if that's the kind of thing he's got, he's got a good chance of making it on the roster. You've got Wilking Rodriguez who has to make this roster or he goes back to the Yankees. And then you've got all these other arms. I mean, what does Ali Marmol do? I mean, do you think he just like every day writes out a new roster and then says, you know, let's see what it looks like this way. <laughs> yeah. Zuniga was like, he was another guy. I thought, yeah, this guy's not making the roster. And and when you mm-hmm. look at his previous numbers, I mean, even in the minor leagues, the guy has not had success. Um, maybe I think at double a one year, he looked really good, but other than that, he, he just hasn't. And then he's out there striking out big league hitters. Like you said, hitting 102. Uh, one thing that we're not going to have to worry about is having a bullpen of the eighties and nineties for the Cardinals where guys <laughs> are topping out at 89. Uh, these guys might be hitting 99 and that might be the lowest pitch that they throw because yeah. <laughs> there's so much gas down there. And yeah, Rodriguez, he's looked pretty good lately. Um, one of those guys that if he can throw strikes, he can be deadly with his stuff. Uh, it's a great problem to have, but there are a lot of bullpen arms and not that many chairs available. So Ollie's going to have some tough decisions to make. I mean, we don't even know if this team's going to carry two lefties at this point. Um, Pilate may be the left-handed specialist mm-hmm. at, at some point. Uh, so yeah, um, great problem to have, but uh, I don't envy the manager to ha- that has to make the call. No, and you got to figure that you know, a lot of those guys, I mean, we've mentioned a couple, but a lot of these guys are still in camp, right? I mean, the bullpen is probably the place that got touched the least by the WBC. Um, so there's going to be a lot of innings in the next week, two weeks, three weeks for the for the managers to start figuring them out. And so they're going to be throwing guys in tough situations or, you know, in maybe a situation that we're not normally seeing. And we might see a little bit less of, Ryan Helsley or maybe even Jordan Hicks um, or people like that. And we may see more of 
Mikowitz and um, Suarez and Hennessy Cabrera and all these ones that they have to make a decision on. Um, trying to figure out what that's going to be is hard. I kind of wonder about Chris Stratton. I think, you know, what they signed, I can't remember if they signed him. They signed him to it, you know, avoided arbitration with him last year, I think. But it still feels to me like he feels like the odd man out right now. I mean, again, not sitting down and doing roster stuff. I know that they felt strong enough about him to, you know, bring him back for this year after the trade with the Pirates. And he pitched well enough last year, but when you see some of the arms that this bullpen can have, it becomes harder to see necessarily how a Stratton helps the team out on the long haul. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I feel like if we went back, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, he's on Mm -hmm. the team because he has to be on the team. Kind of one of those, like, because of the contract, he's there. He may not be the best player and there may be four guys in Memphis who are better than him, but because of his contract, he has to be here. I think right now he's one of the odd guys out, um, even with the contract and things like that. I, I, I don't think he is one of their best arms, uh, and I think there's going to be there is heavy competition for this. And I think right now he is left out. Yeah, yeah. I think this, it's just really. I think the the bullpen is going to be the biggest place to look at. Um, you know, we know what the starting rotation looks like. And we have a pretty good idea who's falling behind in the starting rotation if for some reason one of the five can't go. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some concern there. Uh, you, We were talking about the fact that Adam Wainwright pitched pretty well in the WCBC, right? One run in his timeout, but he still isn't hitting. I think he hit, 80, like you said, 87, which is a step above the 86. I mean, he's working his way up, maybe, but it's still not exactly, I mean, in the this day and age, and it's hard to pitch with 87 um, unless you've, I mean, he's got the curve and all that kind of stuff, but it's still, I feel like at this rate, it's going to be like, hold your breath every time Adam Winrick gets out there and, you know, we'll see how that, well, that works. Yeah. I think maybe John Denton said that he was throwing about, he was throwing harder than he had in his last start, which maybe he was, but at the same time, radar guns can be different. And I thought, True. is he throwing harder or, is he throwing the same and it's showing harder? I mean, really, we were talking like 0.2 right. miles yeah. per hour. And that was, it was an interesting watching thing watching that because I had two perspectives there. One, as an American, <laughs> I was thrilled. If you had told me going into that game that Wainwright goes four innings, gives up one run, I'd say, that's perfect. That's awesome. That's, you know, I, I this is about results. I want Team USA to win. That gives them a great chance to win. Perfect. Watching it as a Cardinals fan, I felt very differently because I saw some of his pitches that were flat. His fastball was just not quite what it had been. I saw him outsmart guys who were playing in like independent leagues and like low A and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's where Wainwright gets guys, you know, when his stuff is good anyway, he can outsmart them. And I saw that, but there were a lot of times I thought, man, if that's a big league player he's facing, that ball might go 450 feet. And so I, I'm still, I think I said 6.5 was my concern level a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm kind of getting up to about a 7.58 right now, because if that fastball doesn't get a few ticks higher, I'm worried what's going to happen. You think they planned intentionally for him to go against Great Britain? 
being a, a, a place that doesn't necessarily have a long and storied baseball history and didn't have, you know, the, the major leaguers like, you know, facing even a Canada or somebody would, um, you think that was it? I mean, I'm sure some of it was respect and, you know, he's the elder statesman and all that kind of stuff. Give me the ball for the first thing, but it kind of, I mean, if you're, if you're Mark DeRosa, that on the back of the mind is probably like, let's get him against these guys that aren't so experienced and, you know, see what, you know, let him build it up from there instead of throwing him out to, uh, you know, I mean, as much fun as it would be to see Adam Wainwright against Tyler O'Neill, that might not be a matchup we really want to see overall. <laughs> I think you absolutely nailed it. I, I think both of those perspectives are correct. I think some of it is just the fact kind of honoring him, the guy that, didn't make the team was the first, the first guy left off back years Ooh. ago when he wanted to make it. So I think there is that respect, but I think more of it was letting him face a team of non big league hitters. Essentially. Um, I think if they had been facing a team like Mexico, maybe in the first game, you may have seen a Lance Lynn pitch, or you may have seen a Kelly or something like that. So I, I think that did play a big role knowing for one, you're letting this guy go out there who's going to be cool, calm, and collect and handle his business. But I think at the same time, it was to let him face Great Britain. Yes. Yeah. Back to the offensive side of things. Um, we probably maybe should talk about the fact that um, the Cardinals seem to maybe perhaps now become the national team of Japan. Um, <laughs> just because of the impact that large newt bar is having out there. I mean, like everybody is doing the pepper grinder thing and that's that right there is pretty interesting because I don't know if you, you're, you, you know, this probably you've seen this as well, but you know, a team has a, has a gimmick the next, that one year, you know, they're looking, they're doing something on when they hit a double, they're pointing this guy or whatever, whatever the fun little thing is for that year, it doesn't translate to the next year, right? I mean, they don't bring it back. It's a new group of guys. They, they find something different. This pepper grinder thing may continue uh, for a while because uh, Lars may not let it die, but you know, also it's, it's got a huge following now. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. And and you're right. Like, you know, the St. Louis blues had Gloria and then, by the end of the year, the guys are like, we hate that song. No more of that. Uh, the salsa thing with Carpenter was great. But then, you know, once you start selling Matt Carpenter salsa at Schnooks and stuff like that, I mean, it's going to run its course. This has not. And I will say one good thing about this is I think this has solved the Cardinals outfield problem because I don't think Japan's going to let Newt leave. Right. Right, so right. yeah, put Walker in the outfield. Um, Newt, I know he may run for office over there or something. I, I don't know. He is, they're going to crown him whatever he wants, but yeah, we may not see him back in the U S again. I, I think Newt mania has taken over. Um, I mean, the kids are loving it. Lots of angels jerseys out there, but there are lots of Cardinals jerseys popping up. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe they're so Taguchi jerseys that are being brought back out of the closet, <laughs> but Newt is an international superstar and it is so cool to see. You know, again, everybody likes to toss around because they see pictures of Lars Newt are talking to Shohei Otani, uh, about, you know, Lars doing a little bit of, of recruiting uh, while he's out there. Again, it seems very unlikely that the Cardinals would be in that mix at the end of the year because that just is not the waters that they've ever played in before. But it'd be a lot of fun if they did. And it'd be, um, I mean, do you give Lars Newtbar a red jacket immediately if he gets <laughs> Shohei Otani to sign in St. Louis? 
Yeah, I, yeah, I think you just you let him wear it out there in the outfield when he's playing. Um, and I, I hear he's bringing Mike Trout too. So like, oh, they're sure. just yeah, they're going to bring every everybody over. Um, you know, Albert probably is going to be in on that call. I mean, it's yeah. you know kind of like Matt Holiday putting on his jersey. Part of that was just being kind of like a, a broker bringing Arenado over mm-hmm. his role in that. Uh, but yeah, um, it's not happening. Uh, I, I hate to burst anyone's bubble but um otani i mean he may be set for 50 to 60 million per year because yeah. of being a two-way player and i mean i haven't heard it directly from him i say that like i know him i mean at least the reporting hasn't said it directly from him but there's a lot of thought he wants to be on a coast i know some of that may be because when you think about the the plane flight back to japan sure if you're in new york or if you're in la it's a lot shorter um with travel these days you can get from LA to Japan, I think in about 11 to 12 hours on flight, mm-hmm. you go to St. Louis, it's not quite the same thing. Uh, but I mean, he is one of the biggest superstars in the world in all of sports. Otani, not Newt. Newt's on his way. Right. Right. Um, I can't see him coming to St. Louis, but hey, if Newt wants to do some recruiting and he wants to put on a different color of red, I am all about it. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be intriguing for sure. Again, you're, you know, it's one of those things that the Cardinals are probably like mentioned because they have a need and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people like, you know, uh, Bob Nightingale or something link them to Okami, <laughs> but there's no actual, you know, they like have a meeting with him and say, Hey, we'd like you to come here. And he'd say, Hey, I'd like $50 billion. And I get, well, I guess neither one of us are getting what we want. Um, that, that kind of thing. But uh, it is fun to, to see. And it's just been, it's just been amazing to see a guy that, you know, as of, this time probably this time last year probably right um he was still just a a guy with a cool name um that hey maybe someday he'll get called up and he'll we'll have a nice little moment in the sun and then fade off and and to be fair newt has changed i mean he's done a ton of work over the last couple of years and he has changed what he was as he was coming up but still it's kind of impressive to see him be go from not even a top prospect in a cardinal organization to now being you know, this international face of, you know, where everybody knows Lars Newtbar, um, even, you know, even for some people that don't necessarily follow baseball that closely. Yeah, I still remember the day he got drafted. And the only reason I know that is because I got a text from a friend and he said, from this day forward, my only dream is for Lars Newtbar to make the major leagues while Mike Shannon is still working <laughs> so that I can hear Mike Shannon try to say Lars Newtbar live on the air and then hear him giggle after he says it. And he got his wish. I, I was very happy for that. Um, I do want to bring up something else about Newt, though. Um, this past week, Greg Amzinger from MLB Network was on the morning drive, mm. and he said that he thinks that when the musical chairs stop, Newt is going to be the one left out without a chair uh, because I can't believe we're just now bringing this guy's name up. Jordan mm. Walker, he thinks will be in the Cardinal starting outfield. And so the question was, if Jordan Walker's out in the outfield, who's left out? Greg Amzinger thinks Newt will be the one who's not there on opening day. Now he'll be on the bench, but he thinks he's not out there starting. What are your thoughts on that? Cause that one actually really shocked me, especially when you've heard how much the Cardinals have praised Newt this off season. Yeah, I think that's the key there is not only have they been, you know, very complimentary of what he has done. They've seen the results, too. I mean, we've seen him go to driveline. We've seen him do all this kind of stuff. And we've seen, you know, the recordings and results of that. So 
I don't think so. I think that if if you're looking at opening day, if if you're looking at opening day and Jordan Walker is on the team, which I, again, you know, we've had this discussion, I still feel like because of all the roster issues, because of everything else, I still feel like that Jordan Walker probably goes to AAA. But if he does make the, the opening day roster, I think Dylan Carlson is the one that you're sitting. And I think Tyler O'Neill's playing center field because I think that's what we've seen. That was the other storyline from the spring, right? That Tyler O'Neill came into camp wanting to play center and he was going to play center. And not that the Cardinals are giving up on Dylan Carlson because I don't think they are. I think it's way too early to do that. And we've seen some good things out of Dylan this spring. But if you were going to tell me that Jordan Walker is going to start, I still don't think there's any way unless something happens with with Lars and the uh, World Baseball Classic or Dylan Carlson just plays his you know out of his mind for the next three weeks. I just don't see any way that that Newt isn't starting, um, and then probably Tyler O'Neill shifting over to center field and and seeing what that lineup looks like for a little while. Well, I'm going to disagree with you right here because it makes okay. for good radio for one thing. Um, <laughs> But I was thinking about this too, and I think it's Tyler O'Neill who's out. Ooh, I think he's the bad. odd man out. Now, part of this is getting very specific, but I was already thinking, I think the Blue Jays are probably going to throw a right-hander on opening day, and I think that's the reason why Dylan Carlson starts the game. I think just for matchup purposes, you're going to have Carlson in center field, Jordan Walker is in left. Now, that's assuming Walker makes the team, and then mm-hmm. Newt is out in right field. Um, so... Not a lot went into that, but I wrote that down in my notes and thought I'm sticking to it. And then Tyler O'Neill goes four for four today in the World Baseball Classic <laughs> to basically try to make me shut my mouth. So I don't know what's going to happen, but that would be my guess right now. But baseball has changed so much with platoons and even some of the rules that it doesn't really, I guess, matter who starts on opening day because everybody's going to play to some extent. I mean, Maybe O'Neill is out there. Maybe Jordan Walker's DHing that day. I, I don't know, but it feels like we're not going to have baseball of 20 years ago where you basically had your starting lineup and you ran them out there every single day with the exception of maybe getaway day. I think this team has so much versatility that everybody's going to get to play um, as long as you're hitting. And if you have four outfielders, all four outfielders are going to see multiple starts per week. Some of those guys are going to see times the DH. Um, I mean, for all we know, guys like Donovan and Yepes may play outfield and infield. Um, but yeah, but that my prediction right now, assuming Jordan Walker makes the team, is that it is Tyler O'Neill who is left out of the opening day lineup. And I mean, it could be. I, yeah, that's that's fair. I'm looking at you know Carlson splits. He hit last year. He hit 207 against righties and 305 against lefties. So, you know that that plays in, everything plays into it. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean we and it's not even just the the starting lineup. It's the roster in general because we we every year worry 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 about who's going to make the 26 man roster. And then two days later they make a call from Memphis and the roster turn is off and going, right? I mean, the, the roster on day one looks a whole lot different than the roster at 162. Well, not a whole lot different, probably, because there are some guys that are going to be pretty fetch fixtures. But, you know, every year the Cardinals run, you know, 45 to 50 people get into a game. And so there's a lot of rotation. So it's, we get so focused on who's going to begin, yeah, who's going to make this team, who's going to be the guy that gets to ride around in the convertible um on opening day but it doesn't 
make that much difference. You know, if, if a guy like Jordan Walker doesn't start here and he, maybe he comes up in June or he comes up in May or he comes up April 10th, you know, when somebody gets hurt, you know, uh, who knows? But we, I don't know that, I don't think it has as much import as we like to pretend like it has. Yeah. I'm going to read a couple names off that I just jotted down a little bit ago. Um, 2020, Dexter Fowler, Lane Thomas, Austin Dean, Ron Hell Ravello. 2021, Justin Williams, John Nagowski, Austin Dean. 2022, Corey Dickerson. Those guys were all on the opening day rosters right. when the Cardinals played. Now, 2022, I guess that was a little different because they let guys, they start, started with a 28-man and the COVID year right. was a little bit different True. as well. But it's it's so crazy now, like thinking how much depth the Cardinals have. Like we're not even really talking about Alec Burleson being out there. And he's one of those guys that you put him in the last three years and he's definitely on the roster. Um, the way, at least the way he's playing now and what he's shown. Um I think this is just, it's such a cool thing that we're talking about the potential for these guys out there um, that we're not looking at somebody as like, Oh no, somebody got hurt. You know, Harrison Bader's hurt. So who are we going to put out there? Some, you know, player that may never see a lineup again, but he's going to have to start the season in center or start the season in left to right. Um, We're talking about some big league players with all-star potential out there. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm just I love digging into it. And I told you earlier today that I kind of had a headache from trying to construct the 26 man. Um, It's a good headache because there's so much depth there that I can't figure it out. I'm glad I'm not the one who has to do it because somebody's going to have some hard phone calls and hard uh, office conversations. But I I don't want to say this team is loaded like, you know, World Series bound or anything like that. But Mm. man. This is the best lineup that the Cardinals have put out since, mm, you know, Pujols, Edmonds, Roland, those days. Yeah, it's it's pretty outstanding. And I mean, again, when you can, I think any other year we're saying Jordan Walker makes this team, right? But there's, not that there's not an argument for him to, but there's an argument for him not to. And that's, and it's not a service time or anything like that kind of thing. It's a, this team doesn't have to have him. Um, you know, two years ago, if you had a guy like George Walker, you had him up as soon as possible. I mean, it's kind of what, you know, there was that argument on Dylan Carlson, right? That we had to get him up because the offense was, would needed so much punch. You don't have to do that now. Um, and you know, like I, we, we talked earlier this week, somebody's going to Memphis that doesn't deserve to, uh, unless the Cardinals can make some sort of trade, which, you know, uh, uh, trades like that just don't happen in spring, especially as teams are starting to get their rosters locked down. Um, you know, and John Mozeliak's not going to make a trade before July 29th, um, probably. So, um, you know, somebody's going to Memphis that doesn't need to, you know, whether it's a starter, whether it's, I mean, not a starter, but, you know, an outfielder, whether it's um, a reliever, somebody's going down there that easily could have made this team. I mean, Mason Wynn is, could have easily made this team in some years, um, the way he has played this spring. Um, but he'll be in Memphis. Uh at least for a while. So it's so flexible. It's good to have the depth. It's good to kind of every year they say they want the best 26 man, right? Or we as fans say, put the best 26 man out there. And that doesn't always happen because of rosters, because of the way, you know, options work, uh, um, options and contracts and all that kind of stuff. So, but this year I feel like, it may be the closest they can get to saying we're going to take 
what we think is the best 26. And that's, you know, that's debatable for us because 27 through 32 are just as talented as the people that are on the roster. Yeah, I absolutely believe that Mason Wynn could make the team for about 10 teams in Major League Baseball this year. Mm-hmm. Teams okay. that don't have a starting shortstop or may just be putting a guy there to kind of fill a role. I, I think Mason Wynn could do it, but you hear him talk now and he's like, he knows he's not making the opening day team and he's okay with that. Like he's, he knows he's out there. He's not going to try to hit home runs. He's just trying to get on base uh, and help the team and help the club and, and, and make himself better. But he knows he's not going to make the team no matter what he does, but he knows that his future is with the team, which um, shows how the Cardinals have kind of set themselves up. Um, uh, this is kind of turning things a little bit, but thinking about, uh, you know, you mentioned the contract situation. That's really not playing a role. Uh, we saw Carol uh, of the Diamondbacks sign an extension this week. Mm-hmm. I believe was it um, eight years, $111 million at yeah. age 22. Do you think this is something we could see happen with Jordan Walker and maybe the next year or so? I mean, it's possible. I mean, you still, I don't know. I mean, the Cardinals gave, what did they give Pujols his hundred million dollar contract after what year three or something of that nature. Um, and then, yeah, that's probably better route, route, right. Um, I, I mean, it's possible. You, you think back to, you know, Evan Longoria getting his long-term deal like two days after he made it into the big leagues. Um, yeah. The, the Braves have done this like with their whole entire roster, right? They've gotten mm-hmm. all these talented people and then signed them to deals well before free agency. It's a great thing. If the Cardinals were smart, they would try to do that. Just Jordan Walker sign a contract like that. I don't know. Um, maybe. Um, I think though that, it's hard for me to see the Cardinals not letting him play a year or two beforehand, just to be sure. Right. Just to, yes, it it looks like he's got all the talent in the world and yes, it looks like he's going to translate, but let's at least get some major league data before we start trying to break the bank on him. Um, Especially since there's so many other outfielders that are out there. Um, But it is, it is something that I imagine the Cardinals will look at. I don't know exactly if that's something that'll actually happen. What do you yeah, think? I, I like what you said because I, and I know these are two different players, but a couple mm-hmm. years ago, people were talking about Tyler O'Neill. Like, is it time for the Cardinals to sign him to an extension? Mm-hmm. You know, he was, if he's getting MVP votes, what happens if the next year he's top three MVP and the Cardinals can't afford him. But then the question is, well, what happens if he's hurt and doesn't play well? Well, we saw what happened. The Cardinals kind of took their chances and O'Neill did not bounce back like that. Um, one thing that I, when I was reading some people, just kind of the remarks on it, I think people forget about like how arbitration works and that this was not like a, an eight year extension or anything to his time there that really what what you're talking about is two years, or I guess with an option, maybe an extra three years added to his current contract. So it's only extending his time with the team by two to three years. Uh, right. But you're you're buying out arbitration, then you're buying out a few of those years, hopefully at his peak. So I mean, it's it's a good deal for both sides. I see it that way, but it, it's not the Fernando Tatis Jr. contract that um, has or Machado contract that has these guys signed to like age sixty five, where they're sure. going to be making forty million dollars a year. So I, I I would love it if the Cardinals would do something like that, but it, 
yeah, at the same time, well, I think Jordan Walker is going to be an all-star and a superstar. And I mean, even if he becomes a mediocre player, it's still probably good money, especially Mm -hmm. eight years from now. Um, Yeah. There's for a 20 year old kid, there's no need to put that pressure on him at this point, let him go play, let him have fun. And maybe a year from now or two years from now, it, it could get revisited. Yeah. And I think about at times how the Cardinals, and it's, it's different because it's relievers and stuff like that, but they've given some contracts. Well, and, they've given some contracts they don't have to give like Matt Carpenter. Let's put it that way. Matt Carpenter had an option year left and they went and basically, you know, tore off that option and added two years on top of that. And we saw what happened there. Right. I mean, it was like, if they had just stuck with the option, he would have been off the team a year faster and the struggles would have been, you know, less pronounced. Um, it feels like they've done that a couple of times with relievers. Giovanni Gallegos was the guy this offseason, you know, that, still had another year on his contract and went ahead and added to it. And it's like, okay, maybe this works out. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but you didn't have to, you didn't have to do that, you know, and it doesn't, I can't think of a time where the Cardinals have, except for Albert Buell, have bought out years or made a contract where they didn't really have to. And it's gone well for them. Um, you know, Walker would seem to be a case where it would, it would be hard for press to imagine it wouldn't. But, you know, again, why take that risk? Get a get another year or two of data. Yeah, maybe it costs you a little bit more when you do have to do it. But that's probably better than having $100 million somehow go out the window. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Paul DeYoung may be another one that fits in that yeah. category. His yeah. the, the money wasn't that much, but it still has not played up to expectations, which I guess maybe Tommy Edmond is the next big leaguer who's kind of knocking on that door for uh potential um yeah and miles michaelis may be somebody for as far as extension goes montgomery um who knows what happens with flaherty so there's a couple guys as far as extensions go that could be there too uh but yeah as far as young players like that um i'm always more risk averse when it comes to Mm -hmm. contracts like that also the cardinals have a do a pretty good job of re-signing their guys who they want to keep you don't see too many superstars leaving st louis to go elsewhere um, yeah. of course it happens and, you know, guy leaves and goes to the angels, but, uh, won't mention any names, Mr. Pujols, but, um, it, that that's one of those outliers that typically has not happened. The Cardinals keep their guys. And I, I think they will probably have a plan. They probably already have a plan in place for Walker as far as when a contract would come, what they would offer and what that would look like. Walker's, you know, leaving yesterday's game in the, with injury was a little bit scary, but thankfully seems to be low key and he'll be back out there, I guess, probably tomorrow, uh, which he will then probably be the biggest name in the lineup again. Um, David, been good. Um, anything you're looking forward to this week? Is it still looking at those bullpen guys or is there anything or just trying to see if you can find the obscure guy in the lineup? Well, WBC. That, that will be, <laughs> I know that doesn't have necessarily do with the Cardinals. No, um, be really nice if those games weren't starting so late. Um, mm. It's like, come on, realize that some of us, you know, don't live on the West Coast. Come on, you know, <laughs> put it on Fox, bank it at seven or eight o'clock. But as far as the Cardinals go, uh, more than anything, just health and yeah. watching the starting pitching. Um, that's that's kind of my biggest concern is seeing how guys do. And I, I guess to watch the starting pitching, I'll have to both watch the Cardinals and watch a little bit of the WBC, see when Miles Michaelis gets in the game and see what he does. Um, but yeah, if, if Walker's not back in the lineup, I guess, would it be Tuesday? Cause I think, are they off on 
Monday. Um, it may be time to hold like a prayer vigil or something like that. Uh, but yeah, making sure he's back in the lineup and just seeing if he continues to hit. I mean, I feel like this week, this week and next week are huge. If he continues to hit the ball like he is, and he's still sitting at over 400 afterwards, um, I think the guys made the team. Unless there's something happening that we don't know about where like the Cardinals found a hole in his swing or they're like, oh, he can't hit the slider, but he's not seeing any. Um, I, I will say I will be keeping my eye on the fact to see if he actually takes a walk. He yeah. has no walks yeah. yet. Um, if his average was like 158 and his on-base percentage was pretty low too, I might be concerned. But I think right now pitchers are just either throwing him strikes or he's got such a huge zone that he's reaching everything. Yeah, and it's, again, it's still hard to know because you got a lot of people just, you know, going out there throwing fastballs, going out there doing this, doing that. You know, it's still in the tinkering phase. I'm not saying that he's not doing well and he's not facing good quality pitchers and all that kind of stuff. But it will be interesting to see, you know, especially in the last two weeks of camp as people get back from the WBC and they, you know, start seeing a little bit more full lineups and for longer periods of time, if, if he could continue to hold that up, um, he very well may be able to. And that's the case again, where if he is, then it becomes harder and harder not to take him North. So um, I, good problems to have are still problems to have. And mm-hmm. so um, they'll have to figure that out. So we will see how they do it. Um, and we will be back next week to talk about what they've done about it. So until then for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search gateway to baseball heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.